500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the phantom the ghost who walks the enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you G'day everyone. For those who came in late, you're listening to Expand, the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 143, the comics and news for February of 2020. My name is Dan Fraser and I'm joined today by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jermaine? Tired, but no, very good. <laughs> um, uh, this is our, what is it, our second podcast for the weekend, uh, about our fourth video that we've done and uh-huh. we've... Um, uh, done a fair bit of work on some stuff, so uh, it's been a fairly big phantoming weekend. It has, it has, and I think um, um, I, I suspect we missed the January 2020 podcast, uh, Comics and News. Um, certainly, the fact that we're reviewing the Christmas special probably indicates that. Um, but uh, as you've just said, we've been very busy doing some phantoming, and so this weekend, just briefly, it'll go straight into our first topic. Um, what what would you have, in 10 words or less, what have you been working on um, regarding the Bushfire book, I guess, uh, especially is what we're talking about? Uh, well, just the final order of all the images, you know, the 50-odd artists that we've got, uh, little yeah. finite little details um, and making sure all those little copyright little um, seeds are where they need to be. It would have been a lot easier being unlicensed. Well, um, that was a, a pretty fun the phone call I had yesterday with um, the, the people who uh, we need to talk to, I suppose, because um, it's exciting that we can announce that it is being licensed. It's a King Feature Syndicate mm. licensed book now. Um, and um, I guess that means it'll be a little bit longer than we had hoped uh, initially because there's an approval process in place. But um, the good news is, as, as you say, you, you've just about finished the, the, the order of the artist's Fair to say, ninety-nine percent of the artists have submitted. <laughs> uh, we are there's waiting on two. Hey? There's always there's always one or two. Yeah, yeah. But um, we we've seen um, great progress on both of those, and uh, we're not really waiting because there's lots of other things to do um, while those other things come in. And um, between going through and editing the copy, which I've been doing, and trying to make sure that uh, all the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And as you say, the copyrights and the trademarks are all in the right place. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's given us a new respect for, for what Fru and Dudley and Mikkel and Andreas and Dan and Sabrina um, and Owen do around the world. It's fair to say. <laughs> mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you would only do it with a passion, with a passion yes. and a love of the character. But yeah. uh, what can we tell our listeners because i'm sure the listeners are you know doing double takes and you know pressing rewind to make sure that they listen to certain things so what what can we tell them before we do the big announcement let's 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 give them a little bit of a tidbit all right so um uh well price i guess a window we can give a price window yep 
I'll okay. do that then. <laughs> so thirty to forty dollars is what we're thinking. Um, is that? Uh, have I just taken your breath away there, Jermaine? No, no, no. I'm just thinking we did rehearse. We did uh, practice and rehearse this, but um, obviously that didn't help. And um... <laughs> oh, well, I can edit it out. What did I miss? Up? What did I mess up? No, no, no. No, I'm just making fun. It's fun. So, oh, okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it was entirely uh, possible okay. I'd messed up. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's about. Um, uh, I guess the things that I'm excited about is that it's licensed. There's about 50 different pieces of artwork. It's going to be affordable um, and you'll be able to buy it soon. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as we said last time we talked about it, um, certainly end of February, middle of March at the latest sort of thing is, is where we're yeah. aiming for. Um, the approval process, as I've said, uh, it doesn't throw a spanner in the works. It just throws an extra thing in the works and we're just not sure how long that's going to take. Um, as we said last time, um, patrons, we if you're a patron at the time of printing, and you probably have missed that boat if you by the time you listen to this because we'd like to think it's into the printers by the time the podcast comes out. Um, so all of the Patreons who um, are, you know, are Patreons as we speak are going to be listed in the back of the book and they'll also have 24 hours heads up on the book being available to get their orders in. Um, yep. And looking forward to, yeah, I'm just looking forward to being able to flick through it for a YouTube video and to, and for, and to get it out to everybody else to see because a lot of the pictures have appeared online. Um, and, um, I think that's been really good to see the um, interest that, uh, purchases have shown in terms of donating to Red Cross or other bushfire appeals in order to purchase the original art. Um, I'm really excited about how much money has been raised just with, mm. before the book even comes online. Uh, what about you? Yeah, it's we're talking about five figures now, basically. The, the, it's been yeah. 10000 that has been raised with mm-hmm. the sale of the artwork, which is amazing. Um, so, you, you know, by the time this book has been printed and sold, we could well be looking at 20000 that is donated from the Phantom community, which is amazing. Um, staggering. Mm, mm, it is. But there's some other exciting news coming out as well. So... Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we'll move on. We're not going to dwell on the book all day because we, when it does come out, we're going to have a, um, a special little podcast, obviously, because we're going to be a bit yeah. excited. But the other thing we want to um, we bring, so that's um, news out of Australia. Coming out of Sweden, um, Mikkel Lick and his card game. What can you tell us about that, Jim? Okay, well, I don't want to give too much away, but we did hear back in December about the Kickstarter and we've been hearing updates that it is coming along quite nicely. And there's... Go- and there's uh, a Chronicle Chamber exclusive to do with mm. that with the, with Mikel's card game. And um, again, if you're a Patreon, <laughs> you get you get the exclusive. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. And there's going to be about seventy. Or, and that's all I'm going to say. Just watch this space. <laughs> Well, I just got a message on my screen saying my internet connection is unstable and I fear that um, you, you were probably more mysterious than you intended to be because of uh, my dodgy internet. But basically you said something about 70. What, what did you say there? Yeah, so basically <laughs> there's going to be 70 of this something cool uh, that's going to be able to be done with the card game and Patreons are going to be included in that 70. So if you're a Patreon, 
you get this something cool. And that's all they're going to say. You just have to cool. watch this space. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. Um, but the, and, um, in terms of the general listeners, um, the, the card game um, is looking like a, being a Kickstarter campaign. Yes, it is, a, it is a Kickstarter, which Mikel told us. Uh, they're doing the finishing touches of that. Um, when the Kickstarter basically is ready, I think, I think we're looking at, uh, I'm not 100% sure on the date, but, but when it's been settled, we're going to have Mikel and probably maybe even his, um, the whole team maybe on and talk about the game properly. And then, you know, that's going to be a special podcast for the Kickstarter mm. campaign as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's exciting, but it also means that uh, a lot of fans, uh, especially if you go to Supernova and stuff in, uh, in, um, in June, you're going to have to do some extra work around the house to be able to... Uh, to be able to afford what's, what's coming out between now and now. I must say, though, we've, uh, we've been lucky enough to see some of the proofs of some of the cards that um, Mikel is producing. And, um, you know, again, it's an officially licensed product. It's got access mm. to the full catalogue of uh, Phantom resources of anything that's um, been licensed and published. And um, Mikel has made full use of it. And mm. I think the variety of cards, the variety of images... Um, just look really exciting from a collector's point of view, let alone thinking it's also a card game that we can play. So once again, it's going to be one of those things where I probably need to get at least two copies, mm. one that I can take out of the packet and play with and enjoy and, and share, and another one that I'm, well, probably take out of the packet and maybe frame on the wall but look at some of the cards. So <laughs> Yeah, or you, know, you may even have to get one and actually like put it into your trade paper, uh, like your trading card um, folder. Yeah, because, you yeah. Know, each card is going to be an awesome little piece of phantom artwork. Yeah, absolutely. So very much looking forward to that. Now, speaking of um, awesome pieces of phantom artwork, that's a, a really nice segue. Well done. Um, I'm very excited to be able to talk about the new side barrier print that's um, been released about a month ago, I suppose. And it has gone very much, you know, it was sort of announced in a flash and then went on the back burner necessarily. But the sunset salute picture that Cy uh, Barry has brought out as a special limited edition print. Um, if you haven't seen the print yet, you should uh, certainly jump on uh, the website and check it out. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool image and one that's um, fashioned after the deleted last scene from the Phantom movie, the 1996 Phantom movie. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool scene. It's got the Phantom on a rearing hero sort of waving at a uh, departing biplane as it flies into the sunset and uh, just looks really, really cool, I reckon. Yeah, it is. Now, you've got, you're getting a, a pile of these posters. Do you still have some posters that haven't been sold yet? Well, they haven't arrived yet. The last I heard was yep. a couple of days ago um, that they were, now they've been printed and they're at Cy Barry's house and he was signing them and numbering them and he was going to send um, a 25 over to me um, so that um, Australian purchasers, I guess, can can go through me rather than through them um, and we all save on the postage. So basically, you know, I'll forward the money over to Cy and David, um, but uh, yeah, everybody saves on the postage is the idea. So um, yes, I do. There are still, uh, there have been quite a number that have been claimed. Right up front, there are 10 that have already been spoken for, which I actually think is pretty cool given that there's been so much Phantom Art on the market recently with through the book um, and lots of people have been spending money on that. Um, the print's not cheap. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And so for 10 people to have jumped on board on the back of 
one website post, one Facebook post and, and one tweet basically, um, I'm pretty happy with, um, which means there's another 15. So if you're listening to this and you've seen the, seen the print and you like the idea of it, then by all means, get in touch with me um, via the links that are on the, the website. Mm, definitely. All right. Um, movies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's almost like this has been planned, uh, the way we're jumping from thing to thing. <laughs> um, very exciting whoever, news and we who, need to... Yeah, whoever wrote the run sheet knew what he was doing. <laughs> what do they say about a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters? It's got to get right eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so- the new a new fan of movie now this is something that um once the the bushfire book is behind us i'm looking forward to putting a bit more energy into exploring this and finding out a bit more about this because this could be very very exciting um mm. from what little we know and i and Jermaine, you're closer to the indian market than i am and you and you've had you have daily chats with um indian friends and uh, probably have got a bit, much better handle on what's going on here but it, to tell us exactly how big is this really a phantom movie that's coming out of India uh, probably in the next 12 months, 18 months. Yeah, to be honest, there there hasn't been much since the news initially broke. I guess the good news is if anyone who has read the webs, uh, the article on the website written by uh, Swarup, uh, we've got a podcast coming out next, um, he goes into a little bit of detail about who these two gentlemen are that are actually involved and have signed on the dotted line and got their names attached to this movie now to be honest i you know it it is something we probably need to look at a little bit more and i guess it was kind of like the initial news and then what probably happens is we probably won't hear anything for you know six months and then there might actually be something so it's definitely you know if you have missed you know if you've been living under a rock and you missed the news head over to our website because it's definitely worth checking out now, don't think, you know, um, don't think a, a Bollywood dance sequel type of movie. The, the, you know, the Indian Bollywood scene is more than just cheesy musicals with some fancy little uh, dancing with uh, turning on the light bulbs and stuff like that. There is more to it than that. Uh, they've been producing some brilliant uh, movies um, and stuff like that. These creators are talented. They know what they're doing. Um, you know, this could be exciting news. What it means regarding with like, you know, will, you know, one thing I would want to explore is, is this just a license for the Indian market or is it like a worldwide license? Um, so, you know, there's all these type of questions, Mm. which, you know, um, we still got to look into is Billy Zane Mm. involved? Is it, you know, going to be a part of that? Is it going to be a canon? going to be a root reboot you know reboot a lot of a lot of water still to go under the bridge but it is exciting news it is good um i'm excited um and yeah when we know more you will know more mm. i think the the key thing there is and you said it a couple of times it's a bollywood movie and and yes that does have some baggage i guess in terms of what people might have impressions of that but um it's a you know as you've said um uh, there's a lot of serious movies now coming out of um, that movie production area of the world. And what it really means is there's some serious budget behind this. So yes. it, um, it's no, I guess the point to make is that it's not the same as the 
40-minute video that Choloman Ashuri, which was I really enjoyed the that yeah. student film that um, has gone up and, and we've got podcasts reviewing that and um, providing commentaries of that in the past and we both really enjoyed that. But yes. um, this is actually a bigger budget, um, genuine movie with backing and, and experienced professionals, not a, not a student film, as we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you, you Google the dude who's in, who's in charge of it, he's like one of the richest, you know, richest men in the world, one of the most influential people in that, part of the world and stuff like that being voted you know as one of the most influential um people his own sporting teams and sporting franchises mm. and stuff mm. like that so you know dropping a couple hundred million or whatever is just pocket change for him yeah, exactly. All right. So we're very much looking forward to um, to being able to tell you more about that as we find out more. Uh, we do need to move on, though, to publisher news um, from around the world. And uh, the, the big news, I guess, at the moment for the start of 2020 is all out of um, Sweden and, um, well, Sweden, uh, <laughs> Scandinavia, uh, Northern Europe there. Um, and to start with, we need to acknowledge that 2020 is the 70th anniversary for mm. Fantelman Comics, um, huge deal, and and a very happy birthday, Fantelman! Uh, congratulations and well done. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of crept up on a lot of people. Um, I don't know if people remember when we interviewed Mikel Soul last year. We actually asked him about it, and he was like, "Oh, it's the seventieth. I'm going to, have to start thinking about that." Well, they have obviously <laughs> started thinking about it because. Um, uh, I reckon there's going to be a few, I, I don't know everything, but I reckon there's going to be a few little nice little surprises throughout the year that we are going to see. Um, I would like to see what I personally would like to see, and as someone who is a subscriber to the magazine, is I would like to see some extras, you know, giveaways and or something like that as well. We've seen the print by uh, Jamie Val. Uh, you know, there's a brilliant story about that on our website. Um, they've been producing, they've actually been publishing some through stories, um, but it will be interesting to see what else they bring out. Mm, mm, absolutely. Now, um, any any time you can tick the box and say you got to 70, it's certainly better than, than not having got there. So, um, mm. yeah, exciting to see what they might do. And just the fact that the very first comic of the year came out with that um, so I understand that the, the first comic of every year has a publishing schedule type poster, but this one yes. is, a bit, is, is particularly unique in the fact that it's um, got this uh, original artwork from, oh, well, it's got artwork from Jamie that um, no one's ever seen before. So um, a really good way to, to kick off the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a, you know, a, a nice little story about how that came about as well. Uh, you can read the highlights of that on our website, of course. Um, so no, it, it, you know, it's good to see a little bit of care, a little something a little special and stuff. And, um, as a consumer who likes things, Phantom, I would like to see more of it. Yeah. No worries at all. Well, while they're looking forward to 2020, um, as you listen to this, you've probably got about a week or so left to vote in, uh, looking back at Phantomman 2019 because the best cover competition is uh, is open at the moment. Now, I assume you've um, you've jumped on and voted there, Jermaine? Uh, to be honest, I haven't. Um, I've fallen a little bit behind on some of the things. So, 
So just so... Uh, so <laughs> That's because of this... Bushfire book, I suspect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and work's been um, painful as well. Um, so there's two votes at the moment. There's the best story, which that ends on the 19th of February. And then there's the best cover, which is just uh, opened. So for a lot of us fans, they probably don't participate in the best story as much because it's hard to judge a story if it hasn't been in a free comic yet. However... But for best cover, it's a little bit easier to make a vote for because you can go onto Phantom Wiki and have a look at the covers there. Um, mm. And there's always some brilliant ones. Uh, there's a lot of covers from Henrik Selström. There's a couple from Rafael Ruiz, uh, Sal Valido and Eugenio. And then there's also one by Jan Balecki as well. Um, and there's some really nice covers. So go onto our website or go to Phantom Wiki um, and then you'll be able to have a look at some of the covers. And have a vote, and there are prizes. Um, uh, you can get like a tote bag with the cover. Now, if you just give me one second, I'll show you what that kind of looks like because I do actually have what from. So, a tote bag, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. It's just like a, a library bag, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got basically the cover that will, that has been voted as the as the top one, uh, as the most favourite, it will be put onto the bag and then it will be posted. Now, these mm-hmm. uh, can be posted to international um, winners, so you don't have to pay extra or anything like that. Um, so that's basically what the winner will get. Um, I think I've got one or two of those, so I know that they do ship them out to international. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so yeah, that's something are you still using plastic bags over there in WA? Have they been outlawed yet? Or um... <laughs> yeah, 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 they've been outlawed. Uh, plastic yeah. bags so you'll be there. using that one to go down and get the bread and milk of a morning, surely? Uh, yeah, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, of votes and best of um, last years, um, since we recorded our December comics and news, or the best of 2019, um, the Fru Best Of surveys uh, have closed. So um, we probably do need to at least make mention of those and go through the results. Um, well, I might hand over to you. Rather, oh, well, I suppose we need, to, we need to actually give the results, don't we, so that everybody knows yep. quite clearly. So in terms of the best cover, um, the, the cover that won was 1832 Hero Complex with Jeff Weigel um, as the artist there. So congratulations, Jeff to uh, have your first, I think, through cover, um, take best cover of the year is fantastic and, and a huge credit to you. Um, a Day at the Races was second to issue 1850 by Tessa. That was the, uh, the retro cover and, and Tessa, um, uh, what's the word for, posthumously, um, has won uh, second place in the 2020 cover of the year. And third place, we'll just do the top three, was the 1830 annual special by Wendell Cavalcanti. So congratulations, Wendell. In terms of the best stories, Hero Complex won that as well, um, with uh, Duncan Munro, obviously, as the writer, and Jeff Weigel, the story artist as well. So the double there for Jeff and the double there for Hero Complex. A Day at the Races uh, also takes second in the best story. Um, the writer and artist of that, of course, being Matt Kime. Um, in third place, though, there was uh, something new, a, a tie for third in best story and that's phantom goes to war from um issue 1831 which is the annual of course um the war special the full 
unedited version of the uh, of Phantom Goes to War by Lee Fork and Ray Moore from way back in the day. And one that surprised me a little bit with The Man Who Cannot Die, which was a, uh, a short filler story, really. I think four, to four pages, maybe, um, in issue 1852, written by Philip Madden and by Jeremy Mc, um, art by Jeremy McPherson. So that's Jeremy's first published Phantom story, as opposed to cover. We've seen a lot of his cover art. But um, fantastic, and, and congratulations there to you, Jeremy, um, finishing in third for the best story. And finally, best fruit issue in first place was um, 1832. So eight, issue 1832 is taken out best cover, best story, and then, I guess, unsurprisingly, best issue. Um, and that's the Hero Complex and Prince Rex Kidnapped Double. Um, very first issue. No, it wasn't very. I think we might have been the third issue of the year, fourth issue of the year in 2019. The annual special issue 1830 with the war theme came in second. And third was the one we've also mentioned a couple of times was A Day at the Races by Matt Kime. Um, so those were our top three. Um, pretty consistent voting there, Jermaine. What did you What did you make of the results? Give us uh, Give us your three three minute analysis of um, the best of 2019 votes. Okay, uh, this was so last month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's interesting that the that I guess probably the th- three of maybe the five special issues that Fruit released got a lot of the votes, i.e., like you know Matt Kimes, uh, the Hero Complex, and then also the Annual. Um, so you know, like there were some special issues that were released. That creates hype, um, which is good, um, and I liked uh, that. It was a, there was some cracking stuff um, last year um, mm. for myself. The annual was probably my highlight, um, but some of those were not far behind as well. Um, I was surprised, at, not not surprised. That's probably a bad way of putting it, but I was encouraged. Is probably a better way to see Jeremy and Philip's short story um, mm. because one, I liked, I like both of their work, and they've both been guests on our podcast before. But mm. also because you know the, and I'm going to make mention of this later on when we review. But the Heart of Darkness is spluttering towards an end, and mm. maybe you know there's this should give hope to us readers but also to Fru that you can have a good little filler story that actually compile quite well in the in the year and it was mm-hmm. a, you know, obviously a lot of people enjoyed uh the read so that was encouraging to see as well mm-hmm. the um the fact that blood rain um it was I think it was second for best story for Phantom in 2018 um was eighth in the uh, in the Australian poll, but was also, I guess, interestingly, the only um, it was the top ranked uh, Scandinavian story and the only one to feature in the top ten. Yeah, it's it's a very good point. I think I think Australians like Australian stuff. Australians are very patriotic. We're um, a bit like the the Americans in the sense that you know we like our stuff better, even if it's an, careful with what I say here but even if <laughs> it's not as good as the other stuff we will like it better because it's our stuff and we we want to lay claim of that and I think free readers are enjoying 
having their own their own Australian created stuff, um, whether it's created by Australians or not, it's Australian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's free created, and it, it goes to show that the free readers enjoy that. Um, and, and so I think that's what I take from that is that you know we're very patriotic and um, we're not we're not ashamed of voting for our own stuff. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because only four years ago, um, there were no Australian created or Fru commissioned stories coming through. So um, the the new Fru crew coming through have, have started that, and it's clearly really really popular uh, in terms of the votes. I'd, I Unfortunately, we weren't running the best of votes back then, so we've got no idea what the the voting would have looked like in that sense. But uh, it um, it just as as you say, it does prove that Australian audiences uh, enjoy those Australian created stories. And um, as as you mentioned earlier, they're starting to get some traction in Scandinavia as well, with um, mm. free stories getting picked up and, and published by Fantulman. So, yeah, it's uh, that's a really positive sign, and, and I hope good um, justification and, and, and a point of satisfac- satisfaction for, for Glenn and Dudley and Renee uh, yeah. as the fruit crew. That's a very good point. All right. Uh, any other, any other comments on the, on the surveys there? Were you, where were you surprised that sort of the Khalif as a graphic novel didn't feature higher? It was fifth in terms yeah. of best issue. Uh, it was 10th in terms of best story and cover did not feature in the top 10. So 10th best story and fifth best issue. That's still not bad for a, yeah. a venture into the graphic novel world. I think you would, I think Fru would be happy with that. I've said it in my review that the cover was not my most favourite of the, of, of the actual comic or the graphic novel. That was probably my least favourite part of the whole complete package. So I'm not surprised to see that, you know, with those numbers you said, 10th and 5th, you have to be happy with that. You know, you, mm. not everything could be first. Um, well, you know, if everything was first, there'll be some seriously dodgy, <laughs> um, uh, dodgy little accounting work from, from us on behalf of that. But, um, yeah, so I would be happy with that from through. And, yeah, I, I would be very happy with the, probably the results. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it was over 300 people voted again. So, again, it just shows to show um, that uh, while Fru does not have a necessarily the, the audience size that a Marvel or a DC Comics have, um, of all of the readers, the people who are prepared to take the time and who are online as well prepare, and, and then prepared to take the time to, to fill out the survey, um, I, I thought that was um, a pretty good collection of um, yeah. a, a, good, a good statistical sample, let's say. Yeah, 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 exactly. It wasn't like 50 or 100 people. It was, you know, yeah. a sample. Um, uh, I read somewhere that the Phantom Men votes get anywhere between 300 and 500 every year for the last couple of okay. years. Um, well, patriotic Australians, if you're as, um, if you're as <laughs> jingoistic as Germ uh, reckons earlier, then that's a challenge. 500, eh? All right, let's, uh, let's try and get to that for the best of 2020 vote uh, in about 11 months from now. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll uh, replay that bit or something like that. Uh, yeah, so exactly. Uh, <laughs> 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 I might get my passport taken off me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All right. We should move on because we've, we've spent about 10 minutes on that We um, and we said a couple of minutes each, so <laughs> we need to move on. Um, the Malon Anniversary Edition is in here. So we have um, published a story on uh, chroniclechamber.com about some plans that uh, Malon have. Uh, they're an Australian publisher who in the past have done um, the calendars and the diaries that uh, people have loved. And, um, oh, well, fair to say some people have mixed relationships with them, but a lot of people have loved the diaries and the, uh, and the calendars. Um, and they're a big part of us growing up, I think, and um, yeah. becoming fandom collectors. Uh, so that company is looking at an anniversary edition. What excites me about this is that it's, um, you know, someone's noticed that an anniversary is coming. So <laughs> next year, um, almost a year from today, as uh, uh, as we speak, it will be the Phantom's 85th birthday. And uh, so to hear that people are out there planning for the anniversary is, is uh, good news in itself. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of hope we see something like a Kickstarter or, or something like that because I think that will... I think that will probably gain a lot more interest than what we've seen released from them so far. So, um, I'm, yeah, I, I must admit, I'm as a as a Phantom fan, not not wearing my Chronicle Chamber hat, you know, wearing my Phantom fan hat. I'm kind of sitting on the fence, waiting for a little bit more information before I get excited about it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, the, what we do know is that there's plans for two levels, I guess, of book. One that would be uh, pretty similar to, um, you know, a newsagent. Uh, well, it's going to be sold in newsagents. They're, they're looking at something like between 100 and 180, perhaps, pages. Um, oh, there's, there's probably co- concrete details, isn't there, on the website? Um, here's me speculating and I should probably just go back and read the article. But anyway, yeah. you can do that. I'm, I'm on a podcast. I'm too busy to go back and read articles. You're, you can do that. Press pause. Um, so they're, they're looking at about between 100 and 180 page book, a newsagent version, but also a deluxe edition for collectors um, and obviously a price variant in between those. At the moment, um, some of the feedback I've had is that the price point on the collector's edition is probably a bit high for, for, for people. But again, it's a bit what you're saying there, Jermaine. People aren't sure what the content of the book is going to be yet. So um, probably sort of... Uh, holding their, holding, keeping their powder dry while they they wait to see exactly what the content of the book is going to yeah. be and um, uh, whether in their minds then it justifies the price the price point. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, so um, watch this space, I guess, for that one and uh, hopefully we'll be able to share more on that soon. Anyway, we need to get into reviewing the comics, the actual comics. That's why we're here. Um, any is Unless I've missed any other news. Any other news, Jim? No, that's good. Let's go. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, we might um, pass over right now then to Mikel Lick, he of the Phantom Card game that we were referring to earlier, as he does a bit of a review for us. Um, and for for us all on some of the first three Phantom Moon, Phantom Moon, uh stories of 2020. We'll hand it over to you. Thank you very much, Mikael. So let's start up with 2020's Phantom Reviews. So it's a new year. The year of no reprints is over. And this year is the 70th anniversary of the Phantom Moon comic book. 
It starts out quite slow, in my opinion, with a story that's been reprinted multiple times. A good and solid story, and nice to see it in color for the first time. The Ghost Pirates, written by Norman Walker, and art by James Valvier. Uh, but for me, I, knew, I know the story almost by heart. Uh, the cover is really nice, uh, as usual, made by Henrik Solström. The book also includes this uh, news, new uh, schedule poster with art by Valve. There's also a short story about this uh, image. Uh, it's been uh, uh, shared on the Chronicle Chambers uh, news uh, homepage. And there's a second story that is a classic Falk McCoy story, Danglor, International Bank Thief. Quite short story, and most of it takes place on uh, on the boat. Uh, I really enjoy the classics though, and this has not been published in a Phantom and comic earlier, so that was quite cool. And the second comic book, number two and three, also with a cover by Henrik Salström. Mine is a bit damaged from the mailman, but uh, cool cover. The first story, Uppgörelse med nomaden, A Reckoning with the Nomad, by Tony DePaul and Mike Manley. Great newspaper story with Heloise at the wheel. Action and suspense and a long page count made it a real treat. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this story. Uh, and then there was uh, the second story was uh, Brevet from Himalaya, Kids Letter Home by Tony DePaul and Mike Manley also. This one is really short and uh, I mean it's, let's see, the first story is so long. Yeah, it's short and it basically only... Uh, flashbacks to earlier episodes so nothing to talk about really but then a first a through published story in Phantomen this is huge and I hope there will be more of these ones Kärlek i Jungen, as it's called in Swedish Jungle Love by Pida Andersson and Shane Foley and not only is it the full story unedited but it's so unedited it includes two these panels that wasn't included in the through publications. I guess they planned on having this uh, uh, the story before to end a bit earlier, uh, so they would have space for it, but they didn't. So we actually got more in Sweden. So that's great, and I really enjoyed this story. Uh, it has so many funny jokes and easter eggs, it, it really felt like a special treat. And uh, uh, then the issue featured the uh, competition for best story of 2019. I wrote a short article about it on uh, the Chronicle Chamber. Um, uh, there it is. Uh, I have not yet voted. I think it's quite hard since for me no story stood out as the greatest like the last year. Uh, but there are some 
important stories for the Team Phantomen, like the, A New Hope and in a lesser degree uh, Devil in Stockholm. And then there are some other favorite stories I had, like Pit of Doom and Kit and the Pirates. And then I also loved the newspaper story The Rat Must Die. So it will be a hard time for me to figure out which one I love the most. And the last issue. Here is another cover by Henrik Salström. It's okay, but I don't think it really connects to the story that well. The story being The Secret of the Ocean Floor. The third ever produced Team Phantom story. Written and art by Bertil Willemsson. I enjoy the art quite a lot and it really works in color. The story and the dialogue were not as great though. No depth in the characters and the dialogue felt clunky. Team Phantomen has come a long way from since this. Second story is a Cyberi story, Sunday. The Great Web of Spidera. That has been reprinted several times. The last time is in 2000 in Sweden. I would love to see something that hasn't been published so many times. And why choose black and white? It's a Sunday story. I don't understand the reasoning behind this one, but uh, oh well. Uh, and the worst part. The next issue seems to be more of the same. One Bertil uh, story and one Cyberi story that have been reprinted seven time times, I think. It's The Mysterious Passenger by Bertil Williamson and The Treasure of the Skull Cave by Cyberi. But it included the competition for the best cover of last year. I have also written a sh short guide on that in the Chronicle Chambers homepage, so go there and check it out. That's all for me. Happy phantoming. All right. Thanks very much, mate. Well, that is fantastic. Um, I'm sure when I listen to that, um, when you send it through, I'm going to really enjoy what you've said there. So um, how good is it having Mikel do these reviews for us, Jim? Uh, yeah, it is. It's brilliant. Um, I think it's increased our listenership. Um, it's increased everyone's knowledge about the comics. Um, and I've actually heard people say that they've started picking up and subscribing to it because of our podcast. So, um, huh. yeah, that's go. a good enough reason. All right. Well, Egmont, if you'd like to give us that, um, you know, 0.1% of every sale or something, we'd be happy to take it. <laughs> um, look, while, we, uh, while we're on the topic, I guess, of other people reviewing, we would love um, if, if there's a Norwegian mm. fan out there who'd like to, to pick up the mantle for Phantom Ant. Um, a Hungarian fan for Kokas, I think, is the, the magazine. There's yeah. the Fantasmas coming out of Brazil. Um, yeah, if you would like to review the comics that are coming out in your place um, and send those into us, please get in touch. www No, hang on. Email's probably better. Chroniclechamber at gmail.com if you um, are happy to do some reviews for us. That would be fantastic. Yeah, sounds good. Because we don't get the books. We get the Australian books. We get the Fru publications, and that's where we need to move to now. We need to start talking about the Fru's. And as I sort of alluded to uh, right back, well, at some point in the podcast, we've got to go back to Fru 1856, the 2019 Christmas special, uh, as um, the first book that we're going to review today. Um, we might start with you, Jim. What did, uh, what do you, okay, let's start with the cover. What are your thoughts on the cover? Covers gorgeous. I must admit, I was a little bit surprised um, that it didn't get higher in the best of three. 
of 2019. Um, yeah. I wonder with, with. if, yeah, and, and we've made mention of it before, there's so many good covers that not everything can get first place. Um, and it was also the Christmas special and uh, the survey was, well, the survey was actually out before the comic was. So while people had yeah. seen the picture, perhaps they hadn't seen held the book in their hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I love it. Um, I must admit, I think this is going to be slightly controversial, but I think um, the cover artist, uh, it's, it's, what's his name again? Is it? Um, Clayton Barton. Clayton Barton. I reckon he might be drawn one of the better depictions of Heloise that I've actually seen. Hmm. Um, so I like the way that he drew Heloise. Um, so I will say that. Something interesting. Um, now, this has been a ongoing rant from a couple of people um, that have, how Fru don't put the, um, the credits inside the comic that has now been happening if you're on youtube you can see it there um i think we've made a mention of it on social media as well so um good on through for doing that um we we made mention of the cover i think in the christmas special where we talked about how it wasn't a christmas cover yeah that yeah but um but no i really enjoyed it I enjoyed seeing the bad guys. Um, enjoy his taking the fan, and like I said, um, and yeah, so I, I really enjoyed the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And for a lot of the reasons you've you, you've said, so I'm not gonna not gonna dwell on that. The the insides. Um, the we've got two stories that obviously um, we've read before. One of which we've done quite an extensive podcast on the reckoning of the nomad. Um, really important story, I think, in the continuity in the, in yeah. the history of the Phantom. And, and I think um, we'll look back in 15, 20 years and, and identify that A Reckoning of the Nomad was an important story uh, for the Phantom um, a, as a whole. Um, so obviously we've, we've read that in piecemeal form. How did you find reading that? And I guess The Rat Must Die um, as a collected format. Um. I didn't mind it. Um, now, just for those who are wanting to learn a little bit more about the reckoning with the Nomad, uh, episode 103 is where we actually talked with Tony and Mike and actually went um, into a lot of detail. And that was back in November 2018. So you might want to listen to that one. Um, or, go, I, or go to the YouTube to watch that because um, if you do that, then every time we mention a panel or a, or a date, then you can also see the, the strip that we're talking about as we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Rat Must Die, I enjoyed overall, but it was hard, maybe is the right way to say it. It was hard to kind of follow it week to week because it reminded me a lot of um, uh, Lord of the Rings. There was a lot of walking. Um, (laughs) uh, But in, in saying that, I've got original art from this story and, you know, it's... You know, I absolutely love it. Um, we made, we've just published, recently published a article on our website talking about how some of these panels have been edited in the free as well as in the Swedish version and also in newspapers from around Australia as well. So if you are a purist and you don't like editing and stuff like that, you might, you might find that article interesting as well. 
But um, I love the twist at the end with the vaulted missing man. That's been one of my all-time favourite elements of the of the Phantom, and it's good to see that coming back a bit more in the last year and a half. Hmm. Oh well, I think this was actually the story where Tony um, cracked the vault, if you like, on the the vault of missing men, opened, um, brought it back into our consciousness, and um, yeah. uh, the current daily, uh, sorry, Sunday, the current Sunday now is a story of the vault of missing men. So yes. it's really started to bring that back. So um, it's a really, it's quite a good point you make about um, the, all the walking. I've just had a done a bit of a page count. The first thirty-two pages of this fruit book are basically. Um, uh, the phantom and the rat traveling to where they are going. So, uh, it, it, yeah, the, the, about the next 30 pages of the rest of the story, but yeah, good. Certainly the good first half of it is, uh, extended character development, which, which people will or won't like. So yeah, it works well in a comic. Sometimes yes. you could argue that it might be a little bit long in a, it, it can be argued that it might be a little bit long in a, um, in a newspaper story. Oh, well, I'm sure there would have been people who dipped in once a month and have gone, oh, he's still walking. <laughs> there, yeah. there's, there seems to have been nothing happened. So um, when you read it in a comic book, there's a lot happening, uh, as I said, in that character development. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, as I've sort of mentioned, though, the real cherry for me was The Reckoning of the Nomad. I love this story and um, I enjoyed it daily. And it was, it was, it was making me read the the... Go to, go to Comics Kingdom site daily to, to pick up the next panel of this and to see it as a collected story. For me, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, to to be able to relive that and in full colour too, we've got to say that, the, the whole yeah. book's in full colour. Um, yeah, oh, it was really, really good. I quite I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, it's probably... How should we put it? It's probably this story... This this story and then the death of Diana saga, which was five stories as one. And then probably the terror in Moatuan where we first saw the Python. Those three stories, in my opinion, are probably um, Tony D. Paul's crown or like jewels in his crown. Like mm-hmm. those top, those three stories, in my opinion, are his top three that he's produced. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, just for all of those reasons, just, you know, it's high action, high octane, high character development, character development, opinion, you know, very important um, uh, drawing and um, scenes like on page 119 where you've got the phantom sitting on the throne and, you know, it looks like he's about to burst into tears and, uh, and stuff mm. like that. You know, there's just some amazing work. And the colouring actually is not bad. Um, sometimes with the colouring on King, on the King Features website, it can be a little, or the Comics Kingdom website, it can be a little bit average, but on the most, the colouring in this is very well done. And the art for for Mike is very good. And I like how we basically got an extra 24 pages. Instead of being 100 pages, it was 124 pages. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, very good value for money, I thought, and uh, a handy pickup in any Christmas stocking if um, if that's how you were getting it over the, that break. Uh, we do need to move on, though, and the first story of 2020 that was published by Fru, the first issue, was number 1857, The, the Forgotten Tribe, with the cover by Jamie Johnson. Yeah, um, 
I like I like the use of the color in its cover, like with the um with the yellow, with the the, the purple sky and stuff like that. Um, I also thought it was a wise decision from Jamie to ensure the Phantom was not in his um, protective suit. Um, so I like that. Um, and then we've got the protective suit on the back. So, you know, Jamie has been producing some good covers. Um, I like this. You know, I, I also another point that I do like is I like how in all of his covers he has something over the phantom logo and i'm i'm pretty sure he does that on purpose because it but it just gives a little bit of like a 3d effect to the cover so i like how he does that and particularly with this one you know the the rearing hero is what's coming up over the the phantom logo and it's just such a dynamic horse i think it's the first um Oh, Jamie will probably listen to this and correct me, but I, it'd be one of the first uh, heroes that he's drawn, uh, certainly the first I can remember on a cover. And um, it's just, you know, it's one of those unusual angles we've got, the perspectives, the from where we're seeing the picture, the Phantom's boot is twice the size of his head, but it's um, it's because we're underneath hero's hooves, so to speak. So, yeah, um, yeah really dynamic, really, um, really inspiring cover. I quite like it. Yeah, Jamie's not afraid of... Of throwing out a weird or different angle, he did it with the uh, red zone cover. Yes, um, where yep. it's dangling off the edge as well. So, I it would probably be more challenging, um, but I think that is good to see an artist yeah. challenging himself with a different type of angle to get a, um, a an effect, an effective effect. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the story then, The Forgotten Tribe. Now, this is um, a Mikel Sol story. So it's uh, the first time published, I should say, in a fruit comic. Uh, Mikel Sol, the publisher of um, Phantoman stories, has, as he sort of suggested in his podcast with us, is increasingly um, getting involved in the writing and, and arguably is the head of the writing team now, I think. Um, and we've also got a new artist in... Yanis uh, Orden is um, uh, drawing uh, Phantom Comics for us to see for the first time. So, um, your thoughts on the story, Jim? Um, I liked it. It's it's very what's the word? It's a very typical Phantom story with a, a, a forgotten tribe, and 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 there's there's very there's a fair few common Phantom elements in it, but. In saying that, there's differences that I enjoyed. Like, there's a little bit of humour, like, um, you know, like the guys being naked and um, that's not humorous, but just the way that's been done. Um, and then there was the bit where the Phantom's bashing up the bad guys and, um, you know, on page 21 where a guy's chucking a leak and he's, you know, he thinks and maybe I should have let him finish that first because hmm. he's probably got it all over himself. Um, interesting that the Phantom actually shoots someone in the knee instead of shooting the guns out. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a, you know, page 23, you're right, Sherlock. Um, you know, page 25 where, you know, the third sentence that he learnt was, you know... Um, you know, was was quite humorous and stuff like that as well. So, um, yeah, there was some nice humorous elements in there um, mm. that, I, that I quite liked. But in saying that, I think some of the editing 
was a um, could have been done a little bit better. Uh, on page 25, for instance, um, it says, some of our people will stay with me and build a new city and some will follow Talu to Morristown. I think that probably should have, should have read village um, mm -hmm. or home instead of city. So there, mm. was, there was a couple of those. I think there was one, another one uh, earlier on as well. But, um, yeah, but, you know, I'm nitpicking there. Um, overall, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed Janice's artwork as well, but I'll let you talk about the story and then you can go to the artwork if you want. Oh, look, I, I think you've covered the story well. I, I quite enjoyed it as well for all the sort of reasons. It's got a lot of fork tropes, and um, um, but also moving in a modern direction, so there's no no drama there. It's an authentic fandom. In terms of the artwork, I really um, I really, really liked some panels, and there were other panels I just didn't get at all. So, uh, you know, so, for instance, if I look on page 12, um, some of the silhouette work on the Phantom and Garan in particular at the bottom there, um, the Phantom higher up on the page, awesome. Just they're just fantastic. That's a, a really good use of um, colours. Oh, sorry, not colours, the, the black and the white in particular. I guess I'm not, um, you know, I didn't, the, the protective suit I wasn't a massive fan of. I understood it for the plot line. Um, but then when I look at... Uh, and I guess it's unfortunate it's on the very first page, so page four of the story. Um, the fandom, as he sort of looks up, I guess that you're trying to you're trying to demonstrate he's got a cold, and so he's snarling his face or whatever. I, I, I find sometimes that the Scandinavian artists, I think, sort of overdraw the face. Um, and you don't need to try and put a line for every emotion. Um, I don't know. That, that that's it, it's some of the it's a it's a, a cheap criticism, I suppose, but um, yeah, that's just what I thought at this stage. As I say, it was far more hit than miss, though. Uh, mm -hmm. And as for someone who's doing his first story, um, has super loads of potential, obviously. Yeah, one of the things I liked about it um, is that it looks brilliant in black and white. Yeah, it does. Um, sometimes you see artwork that's meant for color, which this is. And then it gets done to black and white and it kind of loses something where, in my opinion, this, and I've got the original in colour, in my opinion, this looks better in black and white than it does in colour. Yeah, right. Um, it's just, it's it's darker, it's grittier. Um, I, just, I, I really enjoy it. Cool. All right. Um, now, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk about Heart of Darkness. You had something to say there, which is good because, once again, I've got very little to say about Heart of Darkness. What, what are your thoughts on, um, on it at the moment? Okay, so this is, this is the problem that I have with Heart of Darkness, and I've said it before, so I won't harp on it too much, but this is the only part we've got. This was in two months' time, and it's hard to build momentum when you get four pages a month um, and then and then going back with what I said earlier um, when we were talking about uh, Jeremy Jeremy McPherson's and Philip Madden's short story that was voted as one of the best stories by free readers free should be heartened by the fact by that fact and that there is potential in creating good short stories um, you know, that, that, that fans will like. So, you know, I'm one of the biggest 
uh, what would you call it, bigger supporters of Heart of Darkness. Um, but, yeah, the sooner this finishes, probably the better because, um, you know, the fruit, the, few, the fruit schedule is not doing this story justice. Hmm. And I guess we've, we need to acknowledge that it is still a hangover of something that was started before Glenn and Renee and Dudley took over. Um, it was a decision made by the previous um, regime that they were going to embark on Heart of Darkness in this way. And um, to an extent, Fru have been kind of stuck with it. Um, you know, we've talked to Glenn. It's, it's well documented the, the, the decisions they're trying to make around it. Dudley's talked about it in his messages from the publishers before as well. And, look, I wouldn't be surprised if they too are, are kind of keen to get it over and done with. And I would think that um, 2020 should see it out. We, we're chapter six, It'll part five. Very and close. Like, yeah, so there's like one more chapter. So hopefully... Hopefully this time next year we're starting to go, okay, well, what's the new stuff that's coming in is the filler yeah. stories um, and yeah. um, we'll move on and, and see if a trade paperback ever ever arises or, or, or what. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, so that brings us to the, um, the, the annual, the 2020 annual, the Isle of Eden special. Um, now, this was a 228-page book with a, a wonderful Massimo Gambieri cover. I, um, he's got the Phantom overlooking the jungle and um, down on his animals on, on both front and back. Um, it came with uh, there's seven stories inside, each of them themed to the Isle of Eden. Um, sorry, nine. Nine stories inside, each of them themed to the Isle of Eden, um, beginning with um, the Wilson McCoy story, The Honeymooners, uh, which was the origin story, if you like, of, uh, of the Isle, um, appropriately established with Adam and Eve as the two main characters and um, the people who stay on the island. We also have Fluffy, which is obviously the story of um, the lion, Old Baldy, the elephant, sorry, Old Baldy, the, the gorilla, the rogue elephant, uh, Jumbo, uh, Jumba, uh, his the story of his Master of Eden, Blackie, Dinosaur, which is uh, introduces Steggy, and also drama on Eden. So um, that was the the nine stories that made up the book. Um, it at the end, it's also got I guess the difference between Fru and Egmont or Fantelman is that Egmont publish their um, calendar in advance, whereas the Fru's annuals sort of look back at the year that was and here's yeah. what was in that. So that's at the back as well. So that's a handy reference point for people. It's the who first keen. time they've done that for a while. Cause they used to um, always do it, but they haven't they done used it. To always do it. They haven't done it for the last year or two. Um, yeah, maybe not. It, it seems very familiar as soon as I look at it, but you might be yes. right. I don't know that I did see it last year. Yeah. It, um, but no, the, the covers, the covers, the covers really nice. I really enjoy the cover. Um, Gambera is one of those type of guys that you know everyone enjoys his work. Um, the, the the piece he did for the bushfire appeal got snuffled up really really quickly, um, which is no surprise. Um, it's good to see uh, Steggy the dinosaur. Um, you know, it needed a bit of love for Steggy the dinosaur. Um, I, I, I think we need, you know, some T-shirts or stickers or, or um, 
or you know maybe some little figurines or something like that because um, I'm sure they'll be a hit with some of the people, uh, some of the fans. Well, uh, they certainly would be a hit with my boy because um, uh, Gus and and what I, what I will splice in here at some point is um, his review. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna review yeah. the book and the stories because uh, he's keen to. Um, it started with him and, and we'll mention in a moment the Kid Phantom special that came with the book but it started with him saying so Dad am I going to um, do the review on the podcast for Kid Phantom um, when I said yeah okay that, that, that's good I'm happy for you to do that um, and then because uh, he devoured that as soon as we opened the plastic packaging and I'd only read about three I was probably halfway through the fourth story in the, the annual and he came and said well can I read that um and so he did and and he sat down in a he must have started at lunch and finished in bed later that night finished the whole story just read the whole um nine stories in a in an afternoon and evening and he just really loved it um so anyway i i won't um say more about that i'll let him say it himself (laughs) yeah well let's listen to him now and then i'll uh, have a bit of a go as well all right, Gus. Now, again, what I want to talk about is the 2020 annual, the big Phantom story, the Isle of Eden special. Now, yes. what? Well, first up, what did you think of the book? What did you think of the cover? Oh, I I thought I hadn't heard of the Isle of Eden before, but I but I knew the Phantom had an a island of animals. And so I guess that's what it was. Now, did you mm. pick this up and think, oh, this is too big, I can't read this big story? No. What did you think? <laughs> I thought, oh, I'll have this done pretty quickly. <laughs> and you did. You sat down and read it all in a day. Yeah. <laughs> it was really interesting. What makes you say that? Well, it shows most of the um, people... Uh, most of how all the animals came, like Steggy um, and there was also the Monster Hoods. Yeah, it was really good. So did you think it was going to be one big story? Did you realise it was lots of little stories? I didn't realise that it was lots of little ones, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you have a favourite of the nine stories that were in there? Here's a list of them at the front in the contents page. Do you remember having a favourite of all of those? It would probably be um, Dinosaur. Why is that? Because I... That was one of the only stories I had read um, before I read Isle of Eden. Mm-hmm. Like you read it when you used to read me bedtime stories. You, I was really interested in all the Phantom comics. So you said, um, I'll read you a Phantom comic tonight and it was that one. That's right. I'm impressed you remember that. That was a long time ago. Um, all right, so did you enjoy reading all about the Isle of Eden? Yeah. Why? Because it shows, like, how, like, it's really good because all of the animals don't eat each other. Like, like it said in the first one, you can see a 
gazelle and a tiger, a lion, sitting right next to each other without doing anything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all mm. just nice stories about animals, though. There was plenty of bad guys who were going to come and shoot the animals oh, and that sort of yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't good. Did um, you did you like that part of the story? Y- yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, because I forgot what you said. <laughs> oh, like the actions parts of the story where there were bad guys coming to try and hunt the animals or... Oh, I didn't really like those bits, no. So which bits did you like most? Um, how they figured out how to transport them, how they transported them to the thing. Like with the rogue elephant, they just swam across because um, the piranhas that were in the lake, they couldn't eat, they couldn't bite the skin of that one. Of the elephant because it was really rough. I think it all they could also swim across with the um with Steggy. Yep. Yeah. Now this is probably the first like you've read lots of kid fandom stories, but this is probably the first adult fandom comic book that you've sat uh, and read. Probably the third. The third, but like the first big book with like nine stories in it. Yeah, definitely. It's the most fandom comics you've ever read. At a one time, yeah. Yeah. So, is it? Are you keen to read it again? Do you want to read more stories? Because uh, these these are all like these are all quite old stories. They're from like the nineteen sixties. Um, see, nineteen sixties, the first story through to nineteen ninety. That's you know, they're very old stories. Do mm, you still like them? Yeah. Um, I did have one question about it though. Yeah. Um, about the first story. Has has the author just chosen Adam and Eve as names for the people on purpose or just because it was the first names they could think of? What do you reckon? I think it was um, on purpose. Yeah. Why? Why would Why would those names be on purpose for that story? I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably because it's Eden. Hmm? Well, Adam and Eve were in Eden, remember, in the Bible story? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. <laughs> you can tell what sort of stories we were mostly reading as bedtime stories then. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of Bible stories. Cool. All right. Um, any other comments that you'd like to make about um, this book, the special? Um, Not really. I just – it's a really good book and I'd – Look forward to more. Cool. Like, and figuring out where the second cave monster came from. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Because it shows you the story of his, but not hims. Hers. Hers and rooks. Mm. How do you know about hers and rooks? The poster. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for your time today, Gus. Appreciate you talking to the uh, talking to us for the podcast. Um, enjoy the rest of your day, and hope you have some happy phantoming. <laughs> happy phantoming. <laughs> Thanks, Gus. All right. So, thank you, Angus, our second correspondent uh, for to, for this podcast. So, um, I think they're you, trying to you, put us out of a job, Mark. 
all those correspondents. <laughs> I'd be happy enough with that. It's all good. <laughs> um, um, you, you raised you raised a brilliant point when you're talking about your son, and for those who don't know, how old is your son? Putting you on the spot here, Dan. But, ten uh, ten and a half. Do you know? Ten and a half. Yeah, ten. Ten and a half. By the way, that pause was that, that pause was not him thinking about it. I actually asked him while I was in the middle of taking a drink. And if you don't believe me, <laughs> you can check it out on YouTube to uh, to make sure that uh, he didn't stuff up as a father. Um, <laughs> the, the point you make is that this annual has the kids and the younger audience in mind. Where the last year's annual was a was a darker a grittier annual, the, the cover was darker, the, the stories were a little bit darker and grittier, which I love. It was, for me, it was the best. Annual probably didn't excite me as much, but I think the younger generation who, let's face it, free need to get on involved. So if you're an old fuddy-duddy and you don't like it, get over yourself. But I think this annual will be a pivotal annual for a lot of the next generation because of the the the, the, the beautiful stories inside. They're, mm. they're fun. The drawings are fun. The stories are fun. Um, the, the, the messages, you know, involved with it. Um, it's got animals. Everyone loves animals. Mm-hmm. It's got a poster. Like, like seriously, like this poster would be stuck up on so many kids bedrooms walls i just put some posters up on my kids ones walls today and they've all got animals or they've got fun people and stuff like that there's a reason why i didn't show this poster to my kids (laughs) ah well uh gus saw it because so it's up in his room (laughs) exactly and i haven't even got to the kids annual now i do want to say something before i get to the kids phantom um Lee Fork has made a mistake. Um, he hit with the animals by Fuzzy and Stripes, also Queenie. They are not Tigon cubs. They are called uh, Liger cubs. And it's all done by who the father is. So if the father is a lion, the L-I in the name goes first. So I... I know people think that, you know, Lee Falk and I worship what he's, what he's walked and all that, but he made a mistake here. But I understand why Fru gone with Tigon because that's actually what's in the actual comic. So we'll, we'll let that one pass. But Lee Falk, you made a mistake. Well, he might have made a, um, a deliberate decision back in the day, in the 80s, or early 80s, when he introduced them, that uh, Tigon's read better in the book and looked more likely as a combined word than Liger, which um, could be seen as a typo with only the one letter. I, I'm scratching, I know, but I w- shall defend the great man to my dying breath. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, you're wrong as well, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kids' fans were special. Now, Fru made a brilliant point that the aim of this is for it not to sit in people's collections. It's not to sit in us fuddy duddies collections it is the whole purpose of it is to go to the younger generation um you know it and it's a perfect introduction introductory comic for the next generation it's fun 
it's targeted towards the younger generation. Um, so if you're, you know, over the market, it's probably because you're an old fart um, and it's not targeted towards you. But I, I really enjoyed it. It's got a great message. The art is fun. The art is story. I love the little tidbits in there. Like there's a little Easter egg on, on page seven, which um, seven and nine, I'll let people find those for themselves. Um, you know, it's, 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 re I read it. And I'm just like, yeah, I enjoy that. To me, this would be one of the better kid fandom stories I've read. I want to, I want to go from there. Um, okay. Not the best one, but one of the top top ones that I've read. Well, I'll insert Gus's review of it here, um, so you'll hear what he has to say. Um, but just, be hey. We already did a bit and, oh, let's listen to him here. And then he went. We did that. Before. Oh, well, I, yeah. I might. I'll, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to cut it together at this stage. <laughs> I'm making it up in my head as I go that uh, he's just reviewed the annual and now we're talking about Kid Fam Special. So oh, this okay. is where I paste yeah. that bit in. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, just before he goes, I'll, I'll what I'll say about it is... Um, uh, I understand why adults read it and said it was cliched to them because they've seen those themes before and all the rest of it. And they probably have because they're adults and they've read lots of things. But if yeah. you're thinking about who is this book actually targeted to and, um, you know, for someone who perhaps is either a kid fandom fan or has even never read kid fandom at all or any fandom comic books, then it's a, a cool little story. And mm. um, the themes are good. Angus is about yeah. to tell you what he got out of it, but... Um, yeah. Okay. All right, Gus, so we're here to talk about the Kid Phantom special that was in the annual. Yep. What did you think when I first brought the comic home and you saw that there was a Kid Phantom special in it? I really wanted one, and um, I asked Dad if I could read it because I really wanted one. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to read it. You grabbed it and took it off. <laughs> took off with it. Um, so, what did you think of the, the... Let's talk about the cover for a start. What did you think of the cover? Uh, I thought it was really cool and I'd re I would have really liked to find out how he had ended up with a sword. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I noticed there was a lot of... Some people around him. Yep. And that made me wonder, what was this about? So wondering maybe it's about the right people. Okay, and was mm, it? No. <laughs> so the right people were from one of the uh, earlier issues, number five, I yeah. think, maybe. Anyway, um, so tell us a bit about the story then. So the kid, kid Phantom, he, he's made a few friends and, and he's saying goodbye to a friend, sees him um, next later and he'd been bullied and his comic that he saved up with with his own money it's taken away from his friend and and then he told him who the bullies were and where they hang hung out and then he went and 
and gave them a swimming lesson. Was that funny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I liked how it th- just threw them in. <laughs> that was funny. And then he, um, I th- and then he, the boss told, boss of the gang told him that his dad had it, Mr. Hutchins. Yeah. And that, and he, he didn't really like comics, but they were very valuable, so he got them anyway. And he's, was using his son to get them off any um, off any kids who were going past, and so they had a fight and got the swords off the thing. That's where the sword came from. Yeah, if you have a look behind, Mister Hutchins on page fourteen, there's swords there. Then mm-hmm. he. He gets one here and you can notice he hasn't, it's only got one sword there, so he's taken that off there. And he then Kid Phantom front flips over him and gets his the other sword and then they have a fight and he gets the comic back. It's really good. Cool. And I like it how, how it's also a adverti- advertisement for Kid Phantom. On the last page. Yep, very cool. So, and what? So, what did you think about the st- like what the story was about, and like not not the plot, but you know what sort of message it had for you? Oh, it was really good because it had the message: don't um don't send someone else to do your dirty work, and also don't bully is one of the other strong ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, just before we started recording this, you picked up a, a little sneaky thing that um, Paul Mason, as the artist, had done. What yeah. did you notice? On the very first page, um, on the last picture, you notice that the friend in his book, comic book, you notice um, there's actually some pictures in there from a comic. And if you notice on the last page how it's the cover of the first book, then you you can have a look through the first book and you can actually find the people on the book that were in the front page. Yeah, the, there it is there. Yeah. So the uh, the panel at the bottom of page three of the special mm-hmm. shows the layout of the kid, page five of Kid Phantom number one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you did really well to pick up on that. I didn't even see it. But um, just goes to show the attention to detail. Mm. Very good. Like I noticed like the structure of how he was punching someone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that pose. Yep, excellent. All right, um, any other comments about the Kid Phantom special number one? Um, nope. Happy with it? Yeah. Your, your copy is starting to look a little bit bent up and smashed. I am reading a lot. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Um, look, uh, actually, while we're just to finish off talking about that, the the bonus parts. Um, what about the poster? The poster that came with it. That was in Isle of Eden. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was really good. Um, I haven't put it up yet. I think it might be behind couch somewhere. I think it fell down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, once I find it again, I'm going to put it up with all the small um, of all the pages that I've got up on my wall. Um, I'm going to put it there. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. It, it's a it's a nice wholesome story, um, which does unashamedly also serve as a bit of an ad for kid fandom itself and, and reading fandom comic books. So what's wrong with that? That's how comics were back in the 40s, 50s and 60s. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually, we've got an interesting podcast where that actual, this actual point gets mentioned. I think it's about two podcasts down the track um, where he talks about that the, at the back of a normal comic back in the 40s 50s and 60s they would introduce new characters and they would be heavily themed about lifestyle and morals and stuff like that you know all these old fuddy-duddies that are having a bit of a sook now that's how they got into the phantom and how they got (laughs) into the that's how they got into it back you know back when dinosaurs were still roaming the earth and stuff like that and now that they're, they're out of the end of the bridge, they've forgotten about their origin story. And, you know, it's just, it's not targeted to you. Not every comic needs to be to you. So mm. that said, I did think, um, I did think that Dudley probably was a bit heavy handed in the way he tried to sell it in the message from the publisher. I thought, I thought that came across as a little bit desperate, if I'm going to use a strong word. Yep. And yep. Um, it probably was a bit over the top, to be honest. I don't think that it needed um, that level of um, uh, that level of sales. I think it just needed to be a little bit more organic and, and just let that one go. But anyway, um, yeah, I would that was agree, my interpretation. I would agree that it was desperate, but I wouldn't. Agree, but I would agree that they. I reckon that was a very measured approach. From Dudley, I reckon probably the first draft of his message from the publisher. um, (laughs) You're absolutely right there. (laughs) I hadn't thought about the first draft. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this is the finished. This is the finished copy. I reckon the first draft (laughs) would have been a lot more fun to read and a lot more (laughs) direct. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I've got to give Dudley credit, and I think people need to be reminded every so often and he did it in the message of the publisher with um uh, the forgotten tribe which is 1857 as well he talks about okay you're about to look at a uh, at an artist a new artist he doesn't his drawings not like Cyberry, but that's okay and yeah. i think i think it's good for people to read things like that and i think you know and i know we're living in a very sensitive world today but i think it's okay for people to be told that occasionally change can be okay Mm, mm. all right well speaking of things that are not changing unless there's anything else that you want to say about the the annual no um i liked it i like themed annuals 
annuals. Um, I liked how it was towards the kids. Um, I'm interested to see what they bring in next. And I like the fact that we've got rid of the replica. I would much rather see something like that, whether it's introducing the Phantom, Kid Phantom, another character next year or, you know, or, or something like that. I like that and it's much better than a replica that you don't actually read. Yep, yep. And look, I'll, I'll agree with you because um, on the basis of how much fun that Angus has had with the book and the fact this is, well, this one is now going to become his reading copy. I'm going to have to go and buy another couple, one for me to read and one for, because uh, this is going to get destroyed um, mm. as a book because he's going to read it over and over and it'll be something that, um, well, hopefully it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the first set of adult, um, if you like, or grown-up phantom stories that he's that he's read and really got into, mm. and I guess it's the it's the Eden theme, um, obviously. But uh, yeah, so from that point of view, if from nothing else, it's been a real winner. Yeah. All right. Now, things that haven't changed though, um, and I guess, and this is the, and this is the point, isn't it? Because the very next issue is eighteen fifty nine, the collector's replica series, and so if you are a Forgus, if you like. Um, only reading the old stories and that sort of thing, the very next issue is for you. So that's kind of the point that Fru are doing a great job of catering for all audiences. Now, um, a lot of people um, who are, you know, trying to, jumping on the modern stories and that sort of thing might look at this and go, oh, well, who cares? It's just another replica. It's uh, that, that old chestnut. But um, I guess the point is that they're, they're catering for everybody. Yeah, and I think, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, but you know, you're right. Um, you know, there are people out there that love these replicas. I'm not one of them. Um, but through have to, you know, while they, while they have to target the next generation, they also have to keep happy as much as they can. Their largest buying demographic, which is all the old farts, which are over 50. Um, and these replica series, it keeps them happy. Um, they have to, and we've said a million times, and we've given ideas on how they can make it an even better comic, but they sell. Um, so, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, I think we're going to be stuck with these until we um, count down. Yeah, and look, if um, if it means that someone who has picked up the annual and loves it picks up the next story as well, I'm talking about a young someone, um, there's nothing in here that, a, that you wouldn't let a 10-year-old read. So um, if they were to suddenly start falling in love with the old folk stories as well, then that's only a good thing too. Yeah. You're just going to have to stop right, no. comic, mate. Sorry? You're going to have to start buying two of every comic so you can, um, uh, Angus is please <laughs> reading copy. Yeah. I, the only way for him to pay for it is for me to increase his pocket money. So I lose either way. So, um, yeah, I, I should have said that the, uh, 1859 actually included, what is that? Five stories, Lego, the light God, strange fisherman, dragon God, the young phantom and queen pair of the perfect all by Lee fork. Um, and a mixture of McCoy and Raymore artwork. Um, yeah, full disclosure, didn't read it. We've been too busy doing other things to uh, to have read that story. So no review of the of the content, more just the concept. 
a, a positive and, um, you know, uh, what is it called? It's called the compliment sandwich or, or something like that where you start with a positive, do the negative and do another positive. Um, is that the quality of the print inside is actually is actually readable. It's, you know, mm. so you can actually read the stories and, you know, get something out of it. It's not like they're bad quality reprints. So that is a positive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so in nothing else to say there? No, let's move on. Very good. All right. Well, moving on is moving out. We're just about done. That is uh, that brings us up to date with uh, with all of the comics. Um, as I've said, if if you've got um, uh, Phantomet or uh, Kokas or um, Phantasma stories that you would like to review and send in for us, then by all means, we, we'd be happy to listen to them and uh, probably include them in the podcast as well. But in the meantime, that just about taps us out of and brings us up to date. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah absolutely we know that we've, we've got to try and get this we're recording this on a saturday we've got to try and get it out before thursday when the next comic comes out because the the publishing schedule doesn't sleep which is which we love um yeah, but that's it keeps it. us busy <laughs> it does it does all right so thank you everyone for tuning in today and, and listening to us uh waffle again about uh fandom comics and um and everything that we love about the comics and news um that has happened recently um, if you would like to support what we do, then we'd love you to jump on board Patreon. Um, the, the book, I guess, the Bushfire book in particular is consuming some funds um, and uh, we've still got the, the web hosting and the, the uh, bandwidth for the podcast and everything else that we do that costs money. So if you'd like to be able to jump on and support us, we'd love to see you on Patreon there. Um, that big thank you to our newest Patreon, Joshua Robards. Um, great to have you on board, Joshua. Um, I hope you enjoy the Phantom Preservation Project, which you now have access to, um, the P3, and uh, anyone who is a patron for $5 a month or more will get on and be able to see what is our digital treasure trove of uh, all things Phantom, which we have uh, preserved, I guess, for future generations. If they get taken down, they remain in our in our, in our vault there, so to speak. Um, you can get to the Patreon. Oh, I should mention that there's a prize coming up, the seasonal prize coming up at the end of summer. And aren't we all looking forward to the end of summer at the moment? Um, Patreons particularly, I guess, because there's a prize coming up at the end of it where we do a random prize draw um, amongst the Patreon supporters. And uh, what, what is the autumn prize that you've got lined up for us, Jim? Um, the autumn prize? Hang on, give me two seconds and I'll dig them out and show oh, the YouTube people. It is literally oops. ah so now most people would be aware of uh, Jeff Weigel who is the Sunday artist. We have some um, so people so if you're on YouTube you can see it now. Basically, it's some roughs of what he does before they go up on. So they start off with a little pen sketch then they get larger and then they get scanned in and then he digitalizes them. So there's two of them. Um, and then this is the second one here. So every, as you said, every season we do a draw and the autumn, the autumn prize is basically going to be those and we ship them out to you for free. So we'll have a post telling people about that in probably in the next week or so. 
maybe a little bit after this is posted. And basically, if you're not a Patreon and that excites you, and then you also want to get, you know, early access to the Bushfire book um, and all the other, you know, the Mikkel, the Mikkel, uh, Mikkel Lick um, surprise, almost almost blew, blew it. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> you know, it's time to jump on Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the for for American listeners, autumn means fall, and it's the season that comes <laughs> after summer. So um, I know it's not about to be fall over there. It's probably spring or something. Your weirdos being on the other side of the world there. Uh, but anyway, the change of season means uh, a prize for the patrons. Um, to keep up with what we're doing, other other than the website, as I said, um, you can check us out on social media. We're on Facebook. Uh, just search chroniclechamber.com. We're also the curators of the Phantom Collector Group, and um, uh, so you can jump on there and meet a lot of other fans and that sort of thing. We're on Twitter at Chronicle Tweet. Sorry, at Chronicle underscore Tweet. Um, we're all we're on Instagram at Chronicle Chamber. If you've got anything in particular you'd like to get in touch with us about, um, by all means, email is probably the best way to make sure we definitely, definitely see it, uh, which will be chroniclechamber at gmail.com. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. If you have and you, you're keen to hear more about the, um, about the book when it comes out and some of the special interviews that we've, come out, we've got coming. Jermaine's already said we've got uh, Swaroop as an Indian fan coming up soon. Um, did you say that or did I make that up? No, we've got that. Uh, you did say uh, that. Yep. Uh, we've got an yeah, we've got an interview in America, uh, and then we've got a couple of others. With uh, if you're a if you're a free or a Phantomman reader in the mid nineties, uh, we've got a, a fairly big name coming up from there as well. Mm. 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 Yes. The is it too much to tease that the American creator is going to help us uh, fill in some stories about Moonstone? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's there's a few little. I reckon I reckon uh, Mr. MB will, um, will will give us a few nice little tidbits. <laughs> well, if you can't work it out from there, um, well, you should subscribe so that it just lands in your in your iTunes inbox um, or by whatever app you use, whether it's Spotify, uh, Podbean, Player FM, Cast Notes, Listen Notes. Well, I don't know. They they may or may not even exist anymore. There's probably new podcast apps. You're probably listening to us via that. Whatever it is, um, I hope you, you press subscribe and so you can um, mm. jump on board next time we, we put a podcast out. Anyway, all that said, it's been a big night. It's been a big weekend. There's lots more to be done so we can get this off uh, this book off for approval. Um, so, Jermaine, thank you very much for your time tonight. As always, it's been a pleasure uh, doing some phantoming with you. It always is. I'm looking forward to going to bed and getting some Z's. Happy Absolutely. phantoming, everyone. Happy phantoming, mate. Good night. Alright, very good. That was actually, that was under two hours. This man cannot die. The Phantom. The ghost who walks. The Phantom. Enemies beware. The Phantom's always there. But you won't find the Phantom. He finds you. <laughs> Happy Phantoming! <laughs>